I'm Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Brian Fox, co-founder and CTO at Sonatype, leaders in software supply chain management and security with 2,000 enterprise customers and 15 million software developers served and 100 million open source components analyzed. To learn more about our sponsor, Sonatype, visit sonatype.com. That's S-O-N-A-T-Y-P-E.com. Brian, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Brian, Sonatype is a pioneer and leader in software supply chain management and security. You're a co-founder. You've been there since the beginning in 2007, I believe. Before I ask you about the company, I want you to take us back in time. Talk to us about Maven and the Apache Maven project and your role in it early on. Anything you'd like to share about Jason Van Zyl in those early days? We want to get the whole backstory on the company. Yeah, sure. This is going way back. So I got involved in the Apache Maven project somewhere around 2005, I think. We had been starting to use Maven at the company I worked at, and we needed some custom plugins. So since I wasn't doing active software development during the day, I was doing more project and product management and engineering management. I found it a nice creative release at night to basically hack on Maven. And so I would go home at night and I would work on these plugins that we needed during the day and then have the people working for me leverage them at our work. And so that's how I got involved. And then the plugins I created, the Maven dependency plugin, and then later the Enforcer plugin became very popular. And so they were originally created outside of Apache. And they were so popular that the project voted to pull those in. And therefore, I became a committer alongside those projects. And that's how I got involved in Maven in those super early days. And then through, you know, various conversations with Jason and some of the others, it became clear that there was a lot of demand for knowledge around Maven. And, you know, ultimately, he convinced me to quit my job and join him doing Maven training and consulting in the very early days. But we always knew we wanted to be a product company. It was just that the training and consulting and all of those things was a great way to kind of bootstrap until we found some investors. So tell us about the very early startup. And to begin with, what was the inspiration and the vision for the company? And where did the name Sonatype come from? So Sonatype is a fusion of two words. Sona is Hindi for gold and type like archetype or standard. So taken together, golden standard. So that's the origin of the Sonatype name. In the early days, we were very focused on trying to improve the efficiency of developers and how they were able to leverage tools like Maven to make their development and their build faster and being able to leverage open source more effectively. In many ways, that's still basically what our vision is today, although, you know, it's expanded a little bit. But we always imagined that there would need to be a set of products to help organizations do a better job around Maven and other similar package systems like repository managers, like CI CD servers, like release managers, and these types of things. So that's how we basically got started. Wayne Jackson, your CEO, joined Sonatype in 2010, which was still early on for the company. A lot of people at that time knew him as the co-founder and CEO at Riverbed. They were a great story, sold for more than a billion dollars. He was also CEO at Sourcefire, led them through an IPO. That company was ultimately acquired by Cisco for $2.7 billion or thereabout. What was it like having that type of marquee CEO join Sonatype? We were looking for a CEO who understood open source, which a decade and a half ago, wasn't very many. <laughs> we understood that the way you wanted to approach the market and the products was different. So that's what we were focused on in the beginning. 
I think it was a case of at that time, Kasona Type's my first startup. I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> and so having not been through all of the lessons to grow a big company, I don't think at that time I really understood what that background from Wayne really meant. But I'm definitely glad that we've had it. You know, it's been useful as we've grown through many different phases of the company to have somebody who's been through it before and understands the ups and downs of the market, you know, the overall market and all of the different things you go through scaling a business from a couple of people to, you know, the size that we're at today. So at what point did the company go from feeling like a project or a movement to, you know, a real business, a business that was going to scale up? And how was that for you and the others who were there since the very early days? I would say when we got to the point that probably more than 200 employees is when it really started to feel a little bit different, because at that point, it was much harder, certainly for me, to basically have interactions and like really deeply know all of the people. I take that back. I think it was closer to 400 people. And the reason why I remember that is because I had that moment where, you know, in conversations with folks on the development team, for example, I realized that I wasn't always given the benefit of the doubt that some of the interactions made me feel like, well, what do you mean? I was a developer. I, I know these things. I understand these things. Just because I have a C in my title doesn't mean that I don't remember dealing with the individual contributor challenges. And then I had that moment that I thought back in one of my first companies out of college, I was that guy at a 400 person company. And I remember distinctly thinking like those guys over there, they have no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> you know, the, the leaders. And so I had that moment like, oh, no, that's me. That's why the interactions that I'm having now at this level of the company feel different. And, you know, it's a little bit like when you have kids and then all of a sudden you realize you've become your parent. <laughs> and so that's when it changed for me. But I think having that recollection and that insight to be able to remember back and then kind of put that into context has helped me as we've grown because I realized that not everybody understands the whole history and all of the things that you've gone through like everybody did in the early days. And so you have to approach people and problems a little bit differently. Now, I believe you were originally the VP of engineering at Sonatype, and you call yourself a developer, obviously, when it was only just a couple of people, that's what you were doing. But then afterwards, you spent five years as VP of product management before your current role as CTO. And that's a really big change going from engineering to product management. Did you enjoy that? Yes. In fact, when I was the VP of engineering, we didn't have a distinct product management functionality. And even in my previous jobs, I spent more time focused on producing solutions for our customers by whatever means necessary. And I had observed that others, you know, in development often would lean more towards chasing the new shiny framework, the new shiny language or whatever, right? Because they just wanted to play with the new toy. And I always had a different perspective, like, why would I do that when it introduced risk into trying to create this product? And so as we grew, it became more obvious that trying to bring somebody in to lead product management that wasn't a subject matter expert in our space was going to be nearly impossible because it was such a new space and we invented much of it. And so when it became time to scale, it was obvious to me that the right move was to stay focused on making sure we were building the right things for the customers, being able to have 
in-depth, detailed discovery conversations with customers that made sense and bring in somebody else to help run the engineering side. You know, in other words, it was easier to find somebody to do a great job at engineering than it was somebody who could understand all of the things that I had already learned. And so it was a natural transformation. And I continued to run the product management discipline at Sonatype up until about a year and a half ago, actually. So even when my title changed to the chief technology officer, I still had responsibility for the product management. And a big part of that was because a lot of our customers are very technically focused folks. You know, if I had a title that was different, they might think that I went to school to be a business analyst or something like that. So understanding that I had a technology focused background, even though I was running product management, made those conversations go a lot easier and opened up a lot more doors. So Brian, I remember back around 2017, it was Sonatype who really, really sounded an alarm around software supply chain attacks. And I'm curious, were you involved with that yourself personally? And what do you remember about that time? I'm glad you remember that. Yes, that was me doing a lot of the talking. You know, I remember reading some of the very first, at the time, were novel attacks. You know, there was an article on, I think it was Hacker Moon, that was sort of tongue-in-cheek talking about how they hijacked an NPM dependency and then used it to steal credit card data. And, you know, when that came out, I read that and was like, oof, that's too close to reality. That's funny, not funny kind of scenario. And then it was only a few months later from there, as I recall, that a study came out that it was something like 70% of the components published to the NPM repository were published using credentials that were easily crackable by a dictionary attack or were already published, you know, like they checked them in the GitHub or, or what have you. And we saw pretty quickly after that some attacks, new components that were created that were stealing developer credentials. And I remember reading the details of that thinking, whoa, this we've never seen before. You know, what we were used to was things like attacks that were trying to steal credit card data, personal data, these types of things, not attacks that were trying to steal the publisher credentials of developers like me. And I had that, you know, when you see something, you look around, you're like, does anybody else see this? Is anybody else worried about this? And so I started writing and talking about it. And then it was like week after week after week, we started to see an evolution of these malicious attacks. And so, you know, I had created a new talk track kind of walking people through what at that time was a months old trend saying, this is a problem because I've never seen something like this before. And also these things don't just go away. The attackers are paying attention to this just like some of us are at the time because not enough people were paying attention and they're going to continue to refine their game and continue to get better. And so that was why I was talking about that in 2017, just because it felt very crystal clear to me that this was a sea change in what was going on. And last year we had reported that we've tracked over 250,000 components that were intentionally malicious published to the repositories. A few months later now, the numbers the last I saw was like 345,000. So this trend grows like a hockey stick starting in 2017, and it continues to double even all the way now in 2024. So bringing us up to 2024, you've got 2,000 enterprise customers and you've served 15 million software developers. That's a huge number. When you think back to 2007, when it was just a handful of people, could you have imagined that Sonatype would be where you are today? No. <laughs> no, it was hard to envision that. I remember having conversations thinking, how many people really are going to need repository managers? You know, <laughs> there's 
many hundreds of thousands of public instances of Nexus open source running out there, right? And even I couldn't contemplate that. So no, it was hard to imagine the scale of what was going on way back then, you know, especially because Maven was still very new. And certainly enterprises doing software development, they weren't by and large using Maven, not in a big way. That's why they were hiring us to train them because they had pockets of teams that were being innovative. And so, yeah, no, it was very hard to imagine that we would ever get to this scale, certainly standalone. So what's the future of the company when you look ahead 2025, looking out three years, five years, where's the company going? You know, it's been a long road to get where we're at, but it also feels like the market is just starting to really understand the problem. You know, what I mean by that is it was only a couple of years ago that SolarWinds and Log4j and some of these other things, I think, really made software supply chain sort of a daily term for more than just those of us in the industry that have been talking about it for a while. And so, you know, we're seeing governments getting involved where the U.S. government has basically mandated S-bombs for anything sold to the U.S. government. The FDA is requiring S-bombs for any devices, and we're seeing legislation in Europe like the Cyber Resiliency Act, and in UK, they're developing things. So I think we finally got to the point where everybody generally understands that the industry needs to do better, and that is still very new. And so I think that there is still a very, very big market developing here. We expect to keep doing what we've been doing, which is solving these problems at scale for enterprises. So before we let you go, Brian, I want to circle back to the beginning of the conversation to Apache. It's been 15 years now that you've been a member. Tell us about that and how important is it to you personally and to Sonatype as a company? I would say that it's very important, both certainly to me personally. You know, at the Apache Software Foundation, you become a committer and a member on your merits, not who you work for. And so that is something you contribute as an individual. We are also involved in other foundations like the Eclipse Foundation, like Open Source Security Foundation, the OpenSSF, where I'm a governing board member, and Finos, which is a financial open source. Those are memberships that we are involved in. I play a role. That's part of my role as a CTO these days, is to work with those foundations and others in industry to help move the market forward. And I think it is really important because it gives us as a company, I think, credibility that we are there in the trenches with our sleeves rolled up, trying to actually solve this problem. We're not just producing software to sell it, to make a fast buck. We are there really solving it. And that's evidenced by the daily contributions that we're making in all of these different foundations. And I think that's actually rare for other vendors in our space. And another part of that that we haven't touched upon, the whole history of the company, Sonatype has been the maintainer and the stewards of the Maven Central repository, which is not just about Maven anymore. It's any JVM-based language or build tool. So we're talking Gradus, Gradle, Scala, build tool, all these other things. Basically, anything that's doing open source Java is fetching it from the Maven Central Repository. And that's provided us a ton of visibility and also uh, responsibility to lead the industry forward in trying to make all of this safer for basically everybody, right? Because software, poorly designed software, vulnerable software affects every human these days. This is not just a technology problem. Well, you may or may not realize it, Brian, but you just gave Fortune 500 CISOs exactly what they're looking for because we talk to them all the time. We've had hundreds of them on our podcast. And when we're chatting with them offline, 
they tell us they want to know the backstory. Who are these people? Where did this company come from? And they want to know about the early days. So that was great. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on with us and share the story. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Morgan, founder of Cybersecurity Ventures and editor-in-chief at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining us today was Brian Fox, co-founder and CTO at Sonatype, leaders in software supply chain management and security with 2,000 enterprise customers and 15 million software developers served and 100 million open source components analyzed. To learn more about our sponsor, Sonatype, visit sonatype.com. You can keep up with all of our media at cybercrimemagazine.com.